Yes, yes, yes. That's three yeses. It must be right. Yes, this is um, one of those. Uh, I got up early, but I really haven't done much yet. Meaning I'm not even fully dressed to go outside yet. I'm still, you know, I had a shower and washed some clothes and stuff. But, I mean, as far as my being um, ready to walk out the door. Oh, no, not not there yet. Yeah, just not there. But I'll be there soon, and that's what's the important thing. And then I have a routine I follow trying to improve myself, you know, exercise and um, change the foods I eat in the morning, that kind of a thing. So I am trying to improve my physical health and lose weight, all the stuff you hear so much about. My primary efforts, though, um, in my life are to be a better person. Yeah. Now, some of you know me say, oh, no, you're really nice. You're really a good person. You're this, you're that. Yeah, perhaps I am in your eyes. And in my own eyes, I think I'm a pretty good person. I know I'm honest. I know, I, you know, people I care about, I really care about. So there's, you know, there's some very noble attributes that I have. There's still areas of improvement. I could be better. Uh, um, there's areas I need I could really be in, improve upon, and that is um, dealing mostly with people, and to fine tune my my life, living my life, so that I get the most out of life, and I'm not entangled in things that don't bring much, that don't have much value. Okay, so this is that this these are some more suggestions I'm going to give you, hopefully to make your life easier and more fulfilling. Um. I think the single one of the single most problems that people deal with, uh, besides yawning, excuse me, I think one of the things that people um, like, think, okay, the single most thing that happens, ah, fuck, how can I say this? Okay, I think one of the greatest mistakes people make is paying too much attention to other people's behavior. And that's number one. And I think associated with that is viewing things that they do as being right or wrong, unfair, fair, that kind of thing, that kind of an assessment. Um, and three, ugh, thinking too much about how it affects them instead of doing something about it. Seriously, I think those are probably for most people, Those that's a general um, thing that they struggle with or they're difficult with. What I have done in my life, even as a child, I was very dismissive of other people's choices and behavior and everything, unless it directly impacts me. That's the difference. Um, for instance, you know, if somebody gave me bad news, like, yeah, did you know someone, you, did you know so-and-so stole $100 from so-and-so? I'd say, yeah, that's too bad, you know. George, you stole $100. And I'd say yes. And what is the person doing about it? What can the person do about it? You know, or, or someone would say, yeah, what's his name? Oh. oh, this is one in particular, a woman I knew who quit drinking for quite some time. It's been years and years ago, but she had stopped drinking. And I mean, the physical change was, was evident. Just from her not drinking, her she looked healthier. She was happier. Um, and this, this is something I'd warn against. 
she was healthier. She was happier. Um, her thoughts were clearer. Uh, she had more self-confidence. So there was, there was an evidence, evidential change in her person. I mean, a lot of people noticed it. Um, like one of my friends said, wow, she's freaking hot. And I said, well, she was hot before. <laughs> he said, no, George, she's like, you know, just like she's got light. She's like radiates or something. I said, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I said, she, I said, the, the real her is coming out because the alcohol isn't drowning it out. And he said, yeah, you know, she quit. She's been just drinking a long time. I see the change. She's, she's a better person. I said, well, yeah, she's not addicted to the alcohol and she's not a slave to the alcohol. Um, so she went from being a person who I would say was an alcoholic. She always had to have a drink and she felt more comfortable drinking when she um, would invite other people to drink with her. But I wasn't a drunkard. I wasn't someone who liked to get drunk. I just like to have a few drinks and have a good time and laugh and joke and stuff. But I was not one who ever wanted to get drunk. I hated it because I got drunk before and had massive headaches and felt like crap. Couldn't remember half of what happened in the night except people said, George, you pissed a lot of people off. That one. <laughs> I can remember some of the stuff. But usually it was like lost moments of my life. I couldn't remember. And I have an excellent memory. So it was troubling to me having my memory not to being able to remember things and people saying, wow, you were like freaking wild, man. You were out of control. When I heard things like that, I wasn't too happy with myself because I don't want to be out of control. Wild's not bad, but being out of control. No, not good. I don't, I don't want to be that kind of a person. So anyway, a long period of time went by and then I noticed a change in her. Now, I didn't know she started drinking again, but I could see something had changed with her. Because here's what happened. She went from being an alcoholic, um, still a nice person. I mean, she was a nice person, and she wasn't loose. I mean, she would flirt and say stuff, but she you weren't going to get in her shorts unless she wanted you to. She wasn't just one of those. Um, she was. I'd say she was a good person, but she had a drinking problem. She quits drinking, and she becomes this radiant Wonderful person, you know, um, supportive of people, um, very kind and loving. She goes from that to a phase where she becomes the freaking, like, representative of the don't drink crowd, uh, which, you know, comes with making feel people feel guilty about drinking and, you know, kind of treating them badly. You know, if you know they drink well, you know, well, I know what happened to me. That's going to happen to you. You don't know. Um, you ought to be like me and quit. She went into that kind of thing, um, <laughs> which was sad because I think that was one of the reasons she started drinking again. I really do. She went too far. She was looking beyond the mark. She went too far. Um, we could say right or left if you wanted to. Too far of center. That's what happened. And I guess somebody challenged her and said, you know, well, you know, oh, they said something like, and I really believe this is what triggered it. They said something like, um, once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic or something like that. Just be, oh, yeah, once once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. You're just an alcoholic who doesn't drink or something like that. I think that's pretty close to what they said. That's what she told me. And I said, 
who, who, you know, when she told me, because it really affected her, and I said, and who set this standard? And she said, well, they said Alcoholic Anonymous. I said, who the hell are those people? I said, AA? The, so I, I said, so you really believe that once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic? And she said, well, yeah, because they say that you always, you know, you're, you're one drink away from being an alcoholic again. And I said, well, how can you, if you're an alcoholic, I said, if once you're alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic, how can you be one drink away from being an alcoholic again? <laughs> it didn't make sense to me. If you're already an alcoholic, drink has nothing to do with it. The She said that they say that the struggle to drink, that there's always the desire to drink. And I asked her point blank, do you have a desire to drink? And she said, no. And I said, then what the hell? Don't listen. to This is my counsel to her, and I'm going to say it to you. Don't listen to people who say things like that. They don't know. They don't know you well enough to make those judgment calls. And the universality of drinking does not apply to everyone. I quit drinking. I won't say I was an alcoholic, but they say if you have more than so many drinks a month, you're an alcoholic. Well, yeah, then I must have been. I didn't consider myself to be an alcoholic because if I didn't want to drink, I didn't drink. If I had a couple of drinks and didn't want to drink anymore, I didn't drink anymore. So I wasn't, a, you know, a servant to um, peer pressure and things like that. I did what I wanted to do, no matter what my they say. Oh, come on, have another drink. I said, Nah, I've had enough. Oh, God, George, don't be a party pooper. And I said, Why not? <laughs> I didn't want to drink anymore, and that was the thing. Just like when they pass a joint around, I'd pass. I'd say, Nah, I'll pass. Well, you don't smoke, no, no. So th the point I'm trying to make is that I think. If she hadn't been told that, it probably wouldn't have triggered her into drinking again. And I, this, and this is something that always amazes me. And I've seen it with men with sex. I've seen it with men and women with, you know, alcohol or drugs or whatever. Shopping, women with shopping. They get this philosophy in their head that they want to test themselves to see if they're still that kind of a person. Um, so in her case, it was, I'm going to take a drink to see if I can take a drink and then not take another. Well, if you're a freaking alcoholic who quit drinking because of what it was doing to your life, if you take a drink, you're probably going to take more drinks, which is what happened. Um, she hit it for a while. I could see the change, but she hit it for a while. And then, you know, just, I say one day, meaning that. Uh, after quitting for a long time and then closet drinking, as we call it, secretly drinking, um, she she toasted them at a uh, at a group. They're they're all she was with a group of her friends who were drinking, and she took a, one of their glasses and said, um, "Toasted, I'm back" or something like that. And she started drinking again. The tragedy for me is that um, she allowed other people to influence her in a negative way. Um, because when she was talking to me, she said, well, you know, I'm drinking again, right? And I said, yeah, I heard. And she said, well, what do you think about it? And I said, what do you mean? What do I think about it? She said, well, what, you know, what do you think about it? You knew I quit and blah, blah, blah. I started drinking again. I said, I think you made a terrible mistake. And she said, in what way? I said, well, you're drinking again. That's a mistake. I said, I, and I said, from what she told me, I think the biggest mistake you made was listening to other people. You had gotten to where you stopped drinking. And you were a different person. I said, 
physically you were radiating. People were telling me, you know, you know, it was like you had this glow about you. And I said, um, the best of you came out when you weren't drinking. Um, the worst of you comes out when you do. And I said, and you went a long time without doing it. I said, I, I feel badly because you let other people decide for you whether or not you were going to drink by listening to them. You know, and that's the thing. And she said, well, don't, you know, aren't you mad at me or something? I said, no. I said, you don't understand me. It's your life. I have no right or, you know, to tell to you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Um, I said, you have to make those decisions. I said, if I would have encouraged you to continue, if you said, if you would have said to me, I'm, I'm going to, I'm thinking about drinking again. And I said to you, please don't do that. Don't start down that road. You've got, I said, if I encouraged you not to, would you have not drunk? Cause you had these people, you know, telling you you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic and blah, blah, blah. And you said, that's probably one of the reasons you started drinking again to see if you were, but you already knew you were, at least that's what you told me. So if you already knew you had a weakness in that area, why did you let other people influence you like that? There's two types of people. There's the people who influence people and people who are influenced by people. I guess there's three, to be honest. Those are the first two. People let other people influence them to where they do what the other people want. Then you have the people who um, influence other people either positively or negatively. They're the influencers. And then you have the people with like me who choose how they're influenced and choose how they influence other people. So when I try to influence someone, I try to influence them always in a positive way. And if they're seeking my help or counsel, I always try to influence them in a way where they're making the decisions for themselves. And I help them walk through to try to understand the consequences of the decisions they're going to make. Other people who seek to influence people, even for the good, don't do that. People who influence for the good are usually the type of people who try to mold you and, and make you into what they want or what they think you need to be or should be which is usually after the image of themselves, even though they don't live up to their own ideals or principles or morality, they seek to impose it upon you. So you find people, um, pastors are good about this. You know, he's preaching morality and the sins of the flesh and all this. And you find out six months later, he's been having an affair with a secretary. So he was really good about counseling you about morality and sin and everything else, but he wasn't good at following his own counsel. You have those people. They try to take over your lives and take over your life and steer you the way they want you to go. And then, and it's a lot of times it could be for good, but what's wrong about it is they don't have the right to do that. They have the right to influence you if they're your friend for good, but they need to be working with you where you're making the decisions. They don't want you to make the decisions because they don't think you're capable of making the right decision. So they, you know, they take that responsibility of themselves to decide for you what's best for you. Well, that never works with people. Never. The others are the ones who purposely are in trying to influence you to take advantage of you or to diminish you in some way, to make themselves bigger 
or, or gain some advantage over you. And those people are easy. I spot them like freaking mile away with my eyes shut because they all follow the same patterns. They try to overwhelm you emotionally. Yeah. Um, the, the, I mean, it's, it's, I've seen it in so many ways. It's just amazing. I won't even go into all the ways. But that's what they do. They try to overwhelm you or consume you emotionally and infuse their emotionals, emotions rather on you so you can't have your own. So excuse your judgment. And they use guilt and they use empathy and compassion. Um, they use lust and desire. They, and some, some are very good at it. They use some use a mixture of techniques, you know, um, uh, well, I don't even know. I'm not going to tell you about one incident. It was, it's just too bad, but there was an incident where I was being played. Well, they thought they were playing. I was well aware of what was going on. It was so freaking obvious. It was unbelievable, but yeah, but I've seen it a few times, but anyway, it was so obvious, but it is so effective with men. Um, and that was, well, I'm going to tell you anyway, the hell with it. I was at a, a party at a, a park. Um, and this girl, she was pretty, she was pretty loose, but some of the guys at the party were guys I motocross raced with. And she was trying to, I don't know everything she was trying to do, but one of the things she was trying to do was find someone to take care of her, basically, you know, someone who was going to let her move in with them and, you know, so and support her basically. And she was going around different people and different guys and it wasn't working because these guys were just hardened motocross racers just want to have sex and nothing to do. Uh, you know, they wanted to screw her, but they didn't want anything else really to do with her. So she approached me and started talking and I'm not ever easy when a woman just approaches me and starts being very friendly and talkative. I'm, it's always a red flag to me. Um, why are you so forward is what I'm thinking in my mind. How, how come you're so forward? And she, and she said, um, you know, so you here with somebody? I said, no. Said, well, you know, I'm just looking for somebody because I'm not loved. And I thought, oh, son of a bitch. We're going to go down this road with somebody like me? So I said, really? I said, oh, yeah, nobody loves me. I just want to be loved. And all this time I thought, oh, the swear words were coming to my mind because I realized what was going on. She was trying to play to my emotions in my rescuing. Because uh, most men, if a woman's in trouble, most decent men will come to her, come to her aid. So that's what she was trying to do was appeal to that part of me that would want to rescue her, save her and all this crap. Well, one, she didn't know I was married mm -hmm, with, with a child. So I certainly wasn't going to be screwing around on my wife. That was number one. Two, it was the whole thing was wrong. I mean, it was just it was so phony. But that's the thing about good men is the phony pleas can sometimes skew their judgment. Didn't skew mine, and and that's what I told her. I said, "Well, um, <laughs> I said I really can't love you. I already have someone else who I love, my wife and my and my son." Killed it. Killed it. Uh, you know, oh, well, yeah, I wasn't saying. I said, no, it's all right, you know. Says, no, you know, you don't have to explain anything. Well, and that was great because it didn't, that was it. That was the end of it. 
saying that killed it. She moved on to somebody else who she thought was better, you know, better at that she could work or whatever. But the point is, sometimes people have the uncanny ability to sense your weaknesses. And sometimes your strengths can be your weaknesses. Um, and that's why I usually tell people, if you worry about what other people think about you, that's a weakness. That's a weakness that can be exploited because guilt, humiliation, shame, those types of approaches work very well with a person who is concerned about what other people think. You know, what are they going to say? Who the hell cares what they say? I don't care what they say. I really don't. Um, I just don't care. Even my daughter said, Dad, how can you not care? And I said, very easily. They don't make decisions in my life, Claire. I said, I'm certainly not going to. I said, I worked with your mother because your mother was my wife. But I said, I'm not going to let other people make decisions in my life. I don't work with them on that level. And she said, yeah, I wish I didn't care. And I said, okay, so they talk behind your back. Who cares? You know, The people that listen and believe them are idiots anyway, and they're not really your friends to begin with, or they don't know you. So I said, they don't even count. People who know you, who hear this stuff, should know better because they know you. If they decide to listen to it and think, oh, wow, yeah, it could be true. Yeah, maybe, you know, the hell with them. I said, don't even worry about them. They just got scratched. I said, because the people who really know you and care about you are the people who are not going to listen to that BS. And they might even defend you and say, well, that's not Claire. You must be talking about another Claire. Um, I said, that's number one. I don't care what people say about me or think about me. I only, and this is instruction to you people on how to fortify yourself against this stuff. Don't care what they say about you because it doesn't really matter anyway. Good or bad, doesn't matter. You know who you are. You know where your skeletons lie. Um, and if it's true, it's true. If what they're saying is false, it's false. Leave it at that. It's either true or it's false. And it doesn't matter. if you, Unless you give them you know, influence in your life, it doesn't matter. To hell with them. That's number one. Number two is the people you associate with, gauge them. Gauge them by their words, by their actions, by their history with you, the way they treat other people, everything. Evaluate them, engage them, and assign them a certain level. And the lower the level, the less trust you give them, the less involvement you have with them. Um, all that stuff. The greater the you know, the greater the trust, the greater the involvement. Yeah, that's how you do it. Trust and verify. Um, and the third thing I would say is this: if you know they are a bad influence, don't have them in your freaking life. Don't. Yeah. You know, the greatest would say the greatest pretender, the greatest betrayer is always your best friend. That's what they say. Well, that's not always true. I would say the greatest betrayer is the person that you give access to you that shouldn't have access to you. They're the greatest betrayers. I've had best friends who never would betray. They'd fall on the sword for me because we're best friends. But people you uh, let into your life and give access to you inappropriately are the greatest betrayers because they don't have the relationship level with you where they can have, you can have that kind of trust in those people. You can't. And you got to be honest about your relationship with people. You, 
<clears throat> you could, as that, <laughs> that Family Guy cartoon, wish it, want it, you blew it. You wish you wanted to have friends. You wanted to have a best friend. Knock, knock, who's there? You blew it. Who blew it? You blew it bad. Inappropriate access, inappropriate affection, inappropriate relationships always bring failure. There's this reason why they're called inappropriate. Yeah. Kaboom. That's it. If they're inappropriate, they're going to end in failure <clears throat> and disappointment, and they may cause long-term consequences um, that you didn't even foresee. That's why I'm very, very cautious about who I get involved with, kind of access I give, um, the, the interactions, the type of relationship I have with them. Very cautious. I may seem like the village idiot who just bumbles around the happy-go-lucky, you know, good, good time, George. Trust me. I'm a freaking submarine sailing under icebergs. That's how deep it goes. I just don't show it. Um, and I just, I don't reveal myself. I just don't, unless I want to. And usually I reveal myself in two ways for two purposes. One, people I have tremendous love and care for and confidence in. I reveal myself to gain their confidence so they can see, okay, this is who he really is. So I'm showing you who I really am. Because either you're going to have confidence in me and reciprocate in the relationship, or you're not going to trust me and you're not going to have confidence and the relationship will take care of itself. I won't have to do anything. The other part is I reveal myself in part to warn people. So sometimes when I know something, you know, when I'm aware of something and I'm letting it go on and letting it see, I will let the person know I'm aware. And, and I'll give them, you know, uh, an example, evidence that I'm aware. Then I'll just let things go and I'll see how they do. Let's see what they do. If they make the course correction, great. That's great. If they don't, if they think, if they say to themselves, oh, no, he doesn't really know. He just thinks or he guesses. He's guessing. He doesn't really know. You're fooling yourself. <laughs> I do know. I'm letting you know because I'm trying to give you the opportunity to change your course, to correct your behavior toward me, because I know where it ends with me. It ends with a cessation of the relationship. It ends with me spacing you out and slamming the door on you and saying the hell with you. And now you become like all the others who were sent into that great abyss because I will not associate with people I don't have confidence in. I just won't do it. I will not let people influence my life inappropriately. I won't get into relationships that are inappropriate with people, whether it's trust or affection or anything. I will not allow it. I will destroy it. And you guys know me well enough by now. The way I usually do it is I guess you do not want to associate with me. Yeah. I don't attack you. I would draw from you to the point where it makes no sense for you to be involved with me because you're getting nothing from me. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, and then I usually do you the favor and I cut you out where you have no access to me. That's actually doing you a favor. Believe it or not. You may not believe that, but it is. I'm trying to do you a favor because it's over. And it makes no sense for you to continue any effort with me because for me it's over. 
and it's like a person is lying there dying and all the doctors are and family, oh, keep him alive. He can't go. And I'm the kind of guy who walks over to the wall and pulls the plug. Yeah. And says, I'll choke the shit out of anybody who tries to take this plug out of my hands. That's me. It's uh, the person's dying. There's no hope. They have a terminal disease. Let them go in peace. Don't continue their suffering. So that's me. I pull the plug on you. Why continue your suffering? Because it's over. And when it's over, and I don't wait for the fat lady to sing. I don't I don't play by that rule. When it's over, it's freaking over. Done. And it's doing you a favor because it'll never be anything. And you're just wasting your time with me. Anyways, those are some suggestions I would make to you. And, um, you know, test them yourself. Maybe you're already doing some of them. Maybe you're not. I don't know. You, you, it's, it's your life. You know, you're going to have to make these decisions for yourself. But it is, I think, uh, apropos, if you're aware of something that can help somebody, I think you should make them aware. That's, that's my big pet peeve. People who say a person is their friend, but they're not willing to make them aware of something to help them, um, I don't want to offend them. And I say, oh, no, you'd rather freaking watch them crash and burn than to offend them. Where the hell are your priorities? They're your friend. Freaking tell them. Well, they're going to get mad. That's what the hell with them. Let them get mad. If you really care about them, you need to make them aware. You need to tell them. You really do. Because if you don't have the balls to tell your friend the truth, you're not a real friend. Yeah, you're not. You're one of those sycophants. Uh, you know, and everything's going fine. Oh, golly gee, cheers. But when there's something unpleasant, you're not there. You're nowhere to be found. It's not a friend, you know. That's 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 a fair weather friend. And to me, you're either a friend or you're not. This fair weather BS and all that, it doesn't apply. You're either honest or you're not honest. You're either a friend or you're not a friend. It doesn't mean you're an enemy. It doesn't mean you're a foe. It just means that you do not enjoy the company and considerations that I give to people I consider my friends. That's what it really that's what it really means. All right, spend 30 minutes. I'm not giving you any more. I'm probably buried you in detail as it is. Just uh, go forth, make your decisions, make the best of it. You know right from wrong. Don't be stupid. That's what I would say to you. Don't be stupid. Um, it doesn't look good on you. All right, goodbye. <laughs>